The Boundless Pursuit Podcast is proudly sponsored by Built Wild DNA. Fuel your day on the water in a constructive and healthy way. Energy and fitness supplements designed with the outdoorsman in mind. Get your physicality in line with your mentality and maximize your time on the water. Use promo code BOUNDLESSPURSUIT for 10% off of your next order at BuiltWildDNA.com. Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. So in the last few episodes of the Balanced Pursuit podcast, we've crisscrossed all around our country talking to adventurous American anglers. But it's been a while since I've had a guest on from across the pond. But today's guest is an awesome traveler and angler out of Germany, Christopher Kratz. And Kratz has really made his rounds as an angler. This is a dude that has answered the call to adventure time and time again. And I think we all have that voice that calls us to do a little more or at least something new. But not everyone actually goes. And recently, Chris went to the Himalayas in India chasing one of the most coveted freshwater fish on the planet, the Golden Masir, traveling thousands of miles through air, over land, up, over, and around mountains, and camping in regions known for man-eating tigers. All of this just to chase fish and have incredible experiences. And we talk about an absolute grind, fishing for days without even a single bite, way out in the absolute middle of nowhere, about as far from home as you can get, just to chase a dream fish. And we talk about the fisherman's intuition to change location and tactics that made all the difference. And we talk about Chris's childhood obsession with sharks and how that manifested itself into long-distance endeavors to Australia, chasing giant sharks land-based, and cage-diving with great whites. And I might be wrong, but I don't think they have sharks in Germany. So this dude went a long way to chase a childhood passion. And you look at some of the sharks that he has caught. I mean, he just, he went and did it and he did it right. And we touch on treks to Mongolia, float tubing the pristine waters that are home to the largest trout species on earth, the Taiman. We talk monster carp, monster pike, freshwater, saltwater at home in Germany and abroad. From an angler sitting at his home on his back porch in southwest Florida to a dude sitting in his house in Germany. Fishing is just the great connector. And it was awesome to connect in this episode with Christopher Kratz. We can, I could barely keep connected with. Like, this is ridiculous. Uh, what the heck's going on? But <laughs> anyway, dude, I always appreciate when I can get the guys on from other countries. You know what I mean? It's like... 
not to sound cliche or corny, but you know, like fishing seems sort of like a universal thing to where like the mindset of anglers is there's parallels there, regardless of where people are from or what languages they speak. I know I had some concerns. I'm like, damn, this, this Chris guy, he catches all these awesome fish. Like I want to talk to this guy. So then I'm like, um, do you speak English? Like, (laughs) but, um, I appreciate your time, dude. I know our times are different, but, um, you know, looking through your page, I've seen you in Australia. I've seen you in Mongolia. I've seen you in Italy, Costa Rica. I'm sure I'm leaving some places out, but like, I see a guy like you who's getting all over the place, whether it's just traveling for the enjoyment of the experience, the wildlife, the cultures, and obviously the fishing. But then I wonder like, okay, where is he from? So like, where's home base for you? So I'm, I'm German. I live in the southwestern parts of Germany. So France is right at my doorstep. It takes me five minutes to drive to France. So I'd say I'm pretty much in the middle of Europe. So all the good, good uh, spots in Europe are very um, reachable for me, I, I should say. So if I want to fish in France, again, it's, it's right at my doorstep. Italy, northern Italy, where I've been going the last two years, is like a seven-hour drive. And it opens up uh, all different kinds of fisheries for me. Sweden, where I've gone to in 2022, uh, last year, is also like a short flight or you can take a road trip up there. It'll be a while, but it's all like um, very, very reachable for me. So, yeah, I'm I'm lucky in that regard. Yeah. Sure. I've always envied like the, it seems like, I don't know, it's like a European thing. Like all the guys that are on like the international scene of fishing, there's just not a lot of Americans doing it. I've always wondered, like, why? Like, what, 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 what is the difference? Like, uh, Americans sometimes seem afraid to travel or something. It's like, oh, I don't want to go somewhere new. I don't want to deal with anything new. But um, so I, I had to wonder that. I'm like, okay, well, what is home base? But um, you know, your fishing has been is like real dynamic. When I look through your page, you've done saltwater, freshwater land-based shark fishing on australia you've been down in costa rica seeing and i want to try to touch on all of this just to preface the conversation for people listening this may be like a big giant cluster of a conversation (laughs) i don't know where to begin but i think the one that's freshest on my memory or the one that really stood out and prompted me to reach out was maybe your most recent trip uh to to india for the masir so i i kind of want to start with that one because that yeah. is a species of fish that's real fascinating to me because, you know, I, I, I'm always like the guy on the outside looking in of the international, like, you know, the, the traveling anglers, like things that I want to do. Yeah. And uh, the Masir was one that always sort of made me wonder. No, I mean, I, I can tell why people want to catch them because it, it's mm-hmm. big and they're flashy looking, but they seem to be held in such like a really high esteem. So I want to know about the Masir, the trip. I don't know how that came about and just the experience as a whole. Yeah. Um, okay. So this one's actually, it's funny. It wasn't the golden Masir that drove me to India. Um, at first, I wanted to go goonch fishing. So I reached out. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that, um, that I originally wanted to do there. Um, and I've reached out to a couple of people uh, and um, just got talking about it. And um, yeah, just... I was very close to booking a goonch trip with a with a guy that which I ended up going with, just not for goonch. Um, so thing is, my fishing buddies they're not really travelers, so they fish 
more than me, but they do most of the fishing in Germany and it's hard to get them abroad. So um, I sometimes have issues to finding like a, like a, like, like-minded guy that's going to do the same kind of traveling and fishing um, that I do. And um, it doesn't always work out. So I do a lot of my, uh, a lot of my trips with my girlfriend actually. And um, so then again, it can't be the most hardcore tent camping trip on uh, 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 the planet. So I have to take (laughs) that into consideration, you know, (laughs) and the Goonch trip, is uh, would have been in Western Ramganga River um, in the Corbett National Park, uh, and that would have been a camping trip. So I did kind of agree on doing that with her also, and she was up for it. And um, we said, listen, we're we going to spend some days in Delhi, uh, in New Delhi. We're going to go and see Taj Mahal and stuff like that, yeah. and then do like a 10-day trip in in the uh, in the Corbett National Park and fish for goonch that was the plan but then i don't know man she she didn't sound like she i don't know i had to i had to change things a bit um she didn't like she didn't ask me to but it was just listen i don't want to make this uh this hell for you so let's let's maybe find a compromise and and and, and do something else which is a bit better suited for her yeah. so i got talking to the guy and we kind of did it last minute. We changed it last minute. The flights were booked and everything. And we said, listen, let's go to Pontius War. Um, let's go to the confluence uh, and fish for Golden Marcia. And we'll we'll do the, the goon trip at, at some other time where I'll be coming by myself or with a fishing, like a, like a buddy of mine or something. Mm-hmm. So um, changed the plans there. Um, and I was happy to fish for Golden Marcia because I always thought they looked cool. But yeah. it's not the fish that got me interested in India initially. Right. Um, but again, then we changed plans and uh, my, all my focus went, went on Golden Mass here and um, I got hooked instantly and I just wanted to catch one. And so, yeah, we spent the first couple of days we spent in Delhi. Uh, it was a cultural shock for sure, but it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's very like, it's special. It's, yeah. uh, it's just, it does something to you, man. Uh, I don't know, man. It was definitely, um, uh, how, how, how should I explain that one? Um, it was like, it wasn't a typical sightseeing, uh, uh, stuff. It was kind of grounding also it made you appreciate what we, what we have at home too. Yeah. So it wasn't just, uh, look, we're some tourists and we're walking around and seeing it. It was, we, we kind of immersed also into the culture. We tried to, we ate locally and, and, and we saw things that we didn't see uh, in, in our uh, lifetimes before. So um, definitely uh, lots of poverty uh, and, and super, super friendly people that were uh, that were very accommodating. And, and uh, we it, the first day was uh, took us some time to get used to the whole thing. But we uh, people people in India made us feel at home pretty fast, I have to say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we met people in the first couple of days in Delhi and then, um, yeah, we went to Taj Mahal, which was like super cool to see. I mean, something you see in the movies and <laughs> see on the internet and then uh, standing in front of that building, that was pretty special too. And yeah, we've done, we've done the, the things you do in Delhi and then, uh, we got picked up, uh, and then we drove North to the Himalayas and yeah, that's how the trip started. 
So, um, yeah, cool drive um, for sure. It took us, ah, geez, I don't know. I think eight, eight or ten hours. I might, might have to check again. But yeah. with quite, quite some time to get up there. And then we've seen uh, once we reached like the the, the vicinity of the um, the mountains, we saw like signs from, like that there might be tigers and stuff. Tigers, that was yeah. Cool, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just uh, the scenery changed pretty quickly, and the air got much better. I mean, Delhi is a very crowded place, and it's not. I mean, it's pretty dirty. You have like even like the the air you breathe, and you kind of feel it in your throat also. Mm. Oh, at least I felt it. And like after two, three hours of driving, we started to uh, yeah uh, get closer to nature. Uh, uh, you could say, and then the air changed and scenery changed. And um, yeah, once we reached the Himalayas, it was yeah windy roads up the up the mountains, and yeah. It was good. And then we reached camp and yeah, got set up and I got right to fishing. But that trip really, it it wasn't an easy trip at all. Um, Conditions were, it was raining a lot. And uh, I I mean, Sanjeev, my, uh, the head guide there of the camp, he told me that a bit of rain is fine. So you want the water to be slightly murky, but it, that's a once it gets murkier than that slightly murky it's it's not good so i don't know man the first five days it was really it, it was really testing my patience and i'm not really a patient person <laughs> so the first five days man i caught maybe three fish and they were all like a pound so uh, it was terrible uh, i'm not gonna lie i mean Oof. i do i do enjoy nature i I love love the monkeys and and all the bird life and stuff, but I go fishing to catch a fish. I don't go fishing to yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I mean, got lots of people I know that just want to spend some time outdoors. They want to breathe the fresh air and 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 they just they're content not to catch a fish and they just want to be outside. That's not how it works for me, man. I just yeah. I, I have a fish in mind, and when I do travel. I mean, it's not a failure if I don't get that fish, mm-hmm. but it's damn near close to a failure to me. Um, yeah. So I don't know how it is to you, but that's that's how no, I, I... I totally agree. I, I mean, I only did my first trip abroad last month. Um, yeah, right. And I, and I got a lot of that from people who are... Yeah, I, it's like an internal struggle, you know what I mean? Like You want to be present in the moment and you want to be appreciative of the fact that you're you're somewhere new um but i you know i had a lot of guys that were like oh just make sure you know just remember it's not about the fish and mm-hmm. and don't make it all about the fish and with the common denominator with a lot of the guys that were saying that were that they are people who travel all the time i'm like you don't understand like i totally agree with that and i'm yeah. i'm really about that like i will never show up into somebody else's house so to speak like amongst the locals and the indigenous people and look past them and yeah, disregard sure. them because I'm I'm so focused on the fish. But uh, all of those warm and fuzzies about looking around and seeing everything else is like built on the back of the fish. Like that's what brought that's you there. there. So I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to be back here again. Like I that's may never there. come back. So it's like, yeah, I, I get it. It's like you 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 really need to get the fish. I'm I think I'm the same way. I would struggle with five days with a couple of one pound fish as well. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, man, you mentioned a few things I had to like jot down. I'm familiar with a lot of these experiences that I've never done because it's like I'm I'm still a dreamer. You know what I mean? I think in due time I can make some things happen. But um, you know that you, you mentioned camping in Corbett National Park. Now that area has tigers as well, right? And so I'm like thinking, like when you're pitching this idea to the girlfriend, <laughs> did you leave that? like detail out like because i'm thinking like and this is probably a naive thing you know you think uh you know it's the same thing with people who come to florida they get all up and concerned about the alligators but yeah florida guys know that they're just they're nothing to be concerned about and the swamp poppies aren't they yeah that's right yeah i wouldn't be worrying about them (laughs) me i'm like there's i would have some serious concerns being in a paper thin tent out there exposed to where there's tigers at so i'm like oh, i wonder if he like left that part out of the uh the uh, the proposed itinerary for the girlfriends but uh, nah, i was i was brutally honest to her i told her all about it and um <laughs> it's i mean we we did in costa rica also we went on a night tour and there was a fertile lands that we saw and uh, there was like it kind of darted her way, and she she started screaming, and uh, it was <laughs> I mean, she's kind of used to it at this point. But the tiger thing was definitely a concern for sure. I mean, I've talked to uh, um, to another guy that I've known through the internet who's done the trip, and he's I mean he's done lots of trips. Um, Sakis is his name. Maybe you follow him. Yeah, on yep, I know him. Yep. Yeah. So Sakis told me that he had like footprints of tigers in front of his tent. And that's definitely. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So this is kind of it, it. I mean, I spent lots of time in Australia, and I, I believe that the most of the animals that can kill you on this planet actually live in Australia. And I didn't worry about them at all. And yeah, it was never an issue. But with tigers and also like bears, where you guys live, uh, or up oh, north. Yeah. That's something that scares me much more than any snake or spider on the planet. So I, I, I don't know, man. I'd rather go fishing in Australia with alligator, cro- uh, uh, sorry, saltwater crocodiles, than spend a day in Alaska where there's uh, where there's the brown bears. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's or yeah, that's just not for me. I, w- I mean, I would still do it. It's not, but that's to me, that's worse than any snake. Um, same with the tigers. I told her about it and I told her it's unlikely we're going to get eaten. Yeah. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen that often. But, um, I mean, it was just, uh, there was a couple of things that made us change plans just to make it a bit, not easy. Oh, maybe a bit easier for her, I should say. Yeah. And, um, where we ended up going, uh, there was no tigers. There was jaguars. Uh, okay. yeah, it was a panther. Jeez, uh, I think jaguars. So we did saw foot. Uh, we did see footprints of them too, um, on the little beach area in front of the camp. We didn't actually see one. I would have loved to see one, but we did see the footprints, which was kind of cool too. But then again, I, I don't think they're super dangerous. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's easy to kind of overthink some of that stuff. It's, you yeah, know, they, and even guys like you know, I got some buddies that fish in Alaska, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the bear's nothing to worry about." I'm I'm sorry. Uh, there's no way like <laughs> uh, yeah. not unarmed you know what i mean like i gotta have some measure <laughs> of protection but uh you know the other thing i i've watched the trips 
you know, through the Himalayas on, on different videos and, and, uh, some of the guys, I think we probably follow a lot of mutual guys. And it's like, it seems like the amount of travel just to get to the spot seems mm. so like complex. Cause you know, you mentioned taking an eight hour car drive and I can I only assume it wasn't on a nice paved road. Nah, nah. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, actually it was, uh, the, like, um, I usually never, I don't get seasick and I can sit in a car for, for hours upon hours. And I, I don't ever have an issue on this trip. It was, I was kind of, I wasn't like, I wasn't just going to throw up, but it was, it was uh, getting up there where I was like, oh, I can't do this for another 10 hours or uh, uh, three hours. So the roads were cool. I got some photos on, on my phone, which is, I mean, the views were spectacular, man. That was very, very cool. But the, also the way they like our driver drove was pretty. Uh, yeah, it was. I was yeah. happy when we finally got to camp. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we. I mean, we got greeted with a with a nice meal straight away, and yeah, it, it was good. The experience was good, and also again, the time like we had a crew of eight people for the two of us. Mm-hmm. So it was the hospitality man that I've never experienced anything like it. And um, the people, I, w- I would consider them friends after just 10 days. They were like the yeah. nicest people on earth. They made us feel like we've we, we've known them for 10 years. It's crazy, man. Um, and like I've seen, I've been to a couple of countries and so far I haven't experienced anything like that to yeah. be quite honest. So yeah. like we got immersed into the culture. My girlfriend on a day where she didn't come fish with us, she went to visit two schools. She um, and that was all just it wasn't like some some guided thing. She was just I just asked uh, Sanjeev. I said, "Look, she she's been fishing with us for the last six days. We caught nothing at all. Can she just do something else? Is there anything mm-hmm. anything else she could do in the area?" And he was like, "Yeah, she can visit some schools, go to the temple." And so uh, he sent he sent a guy with her, uh, uh, and and she did that the whole day, and she loved it. So again, um, getting there definitely not for for, for the lighthearted, but it was very worth it um, to me at this point. Not yet because because I haven't caught the fish yet. But uh, in hindsight, uh, everything was perfect, man, and the way it turned out. Also, um, yeah, I couldn't. Couldn't have wished for a, a better trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think having that kind of mentality is only going to benefit you too, because I, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe, maybe regardless of how you behave, they're going to do their part and they're going to be the way that they are. But I'm, you know, I, I can only think that if you were sitting there on the side of that river with your arms crossed, huffing and puffing and being pissed off at the fact that you weren't catching fish wouldn't excite them to give you that extra little bit of, um, yeah. of, of effort as like, if you show up and you actually show a genuine interest in their culture and what they're doing and collaborating with them and like appreciating them. But, you know, I think that's like a critical, now that is a critical part of, of, of the experience to not just get there and be so, you know, if you get so focused on, on the fishing and, I don't know. I just I hate the idea of showing up in somebody else's place and kind of being mm. shitty. You know what I mean? Because at the same time, too, and I thought oh, yeah. I thought about this when we went to Guyana last month. I'm like, 
telling my brother, I'm like, you know, we're we're from America, and I don't know if there's like a, an idea on how Americans are abroad. I don't know. You hear different things. But I'm like, all I know is like, it was like, I think I was overthinking it. You know what I mean? They seemed like they were going to do their best regardless of how we were just because of the nature of who they were. But I'm like, I am not going to show up here and be dead weight that they have to carry and be like angry that I don't have my Starbucks and be angry that I don't have air conditioning. Um, you know, we're sort of like ambassadors of where we're from and like our family. I'm like, so like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be carrying weight. I'm going to be interested in the way that they do things. But, um, I think that's an important, I'm glad that you're touching on that right now and not just glossing over all yeah. of that and getting straight into the fishing. Now it's, it's a fishing podcast, but it's like at the same time, I don't know, man. I, was, I want people to, mm, you know, absorb the rest of the experience when traveling. And I mean, that's, I, we did fish 10 to 12 hours a day. Yeah. The fishing was a big part of it. But um, it, again, I, I said that the fish is what I travel for. For sure it is. It is probably like 70% of what I'm looking for. Of course, I don't want to be fishing like nature plays a role. The people play a role 100%. And yep. um, all of that, even if I wouldn't have gotten a fish, um, it would still mean something to me. But the part of me that went there for the fish, of course, would be like not disappointed. But in the fishing, I would be. But the people and if even after after that week of not catching a fish, I mean, of course I was pissed off, but I, I kept that to myself, you know. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they, they had nothing to do with it and they tried their very best, man. And every, like, again, everything was perfect. We, the, like the tents, they were like safari style tents. We had electric, electricity in there. And to me, that's not as important as it is to my girlfriend, but I was just happy all around. And I, even when I didn't catch a fish at first, I thought to myself, this was the right experience, uh, the right uh, decision to make, you know, because yeah. I was seeing my girlfriend being uh, uh, happy, you know. Of course, she wanted me to catch a fish, mm -hmm. and that was in the back of her mind as well. But she was, she was fine. She spent, I mean, most of the days she watched me fishing, um, but I mean, she still had a great time. She she photographed monkeys and, and tried to photograph wildlife and stuff. So it was a good, good experience for her. Yeah. And it might've been the same thing uh, in, in Western Ramganga. I don't know, maybe, but um, at the time I felt, and even in hindsight, I think we definitely um, did the right thing there. And um, it's, again, it's not the, it's not the last time India has, has, has seen me, I, I would say. So um, it's all, it's all good. So yeah, let's um, let's get back to the fishing. So five days, pretty much. I think day seven or six was the day I I made the decision with Sanjeev to to move spots. So the thing is, the confluence of the Saryu River and the Mahakali River um, is where most of the fishing is done. So that's the confluence. There's bait. There's oxygen. There, that's where the fish are supposed to be. Yeah. But I've been fishing there for five days. And I, I was getting nothing and I was just casting at the same rocks on the other side of the bank. And I was like going crazy, man. I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning and fishing till it was till it got dark. So I started fishing in the dark and I ended the day in the dark. Of course, we stopped for lunch and stuff, but it was just 
fishing hard. I've never fished that hard in my life, man. I know. Like, yeah, not that I can recall. So it was definitely tough. And um, I was getting maybe like five or six hours sleep at at best. I think probably less. Yeah. So it was tough fishing the same spot over and over again. And at, at the end of the day, I said to, I said to son, I mean, at the end of that week, I said to him, we need to try something else. This is not... I mean, of course, we could we could have stuck it out, and we might have gotten a fish there too, a decent or a more decent one. But I was like, I need to change the scenery. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So on day six or seven, um, we decided to go down river, down river of the Mahakali or the Kali, um, however you want to call it. I think the Nepali side. Well, we're fishing right on the border, so mm. my lure has touched uh, Nepal. So um, when you cast on the other side, it's basically you're fishing. I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, so we're looking at Nepal the whole day because it's right across the river. So um, I think the Nepalese people call the river Mahakali and the Indian people. Uh, I'm not sure I might might get uh, might have gotten that wrong. But so the Kali River There's the Kali River and the Saryu and the confluence where we fished. And then we decided to go. Um, like I think it's like an 8k walk down river which is also uh quite sketchy terrain um so we kind of postponed we talked about that um spot the whole trip but we kind of postponed it because of course confluence is a good good spot to fish and my girlfriend I don't know if I want to put her through that walk because it was quite sketchy but at, at like at day number six I said fuck it let's do it and um yeah. We did it so we walked there we got up at like 3 30 in the morning um started walking uh in darkness and we reached a spot where it was just getting um just getting light so yeah i was that day i specifically remember i was super tired i i, I just yeah i was just exhausted man over, over the last uh the fishing over the week was just super exhausting and yeah i was not drinking much water i was just i was in the zone man so I don't enjoy food and water when I'm fishing, you know, I just I know. <laughs> at all. So I, I kind of, yeah, it took a toll on my body for sure. And so we fished the spot. Uh, it's quite a, it's, it's like one and a half Ks, I think of uh, fishable water. And we started at a pool further down and then uh, nothing. And we kept working our way towards, um, yeah, back towards the confluence, which was, quite far away but it's just we started at the end of the spot and we fished our way up okay. and so we had lunch in between and and all morning nothing and then i was like i said to sanjeev listen man i need to take a nap I, we reached a new spot and it was a deep pool and it looked very good but i was like man i just need to take a nap for like an hour because i just can't do it no more i'm my my eyes are, like i'm falling asleep while fishing and he was like listen chris just just go there, do like three casts, and then take a nap. I was like, all right. Um, so I put on a Zarek fish trap, uh, just like a tiny lure, like a, 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 um, a, it's like kind of a vibe. So okay. um, you work it, uh, you kind of work it like a jig, you let it go down, and then you jig it up. And um, so I put that on. Um, I remember it was the fire tiger color and I just went there first cast. I think nothing. And second cast, that's when the fish hit. 
And I just couldn't believe it, man. It was the yeah. first decent fish that I hooked. And the fight was, it was intense. It wasn't as strong as I thought it would be. Maybe I overthought it also. Maybe my expectations uh, were just too high. It was a decent fight for sure because um, there was a there was a, a rapid just down river, mm. and we had to stop that fish before that rapid because that would have been one hell of a a run down a run down river if we wanted to get that fish if it had gone down the rapids. Yeah, uh, we were able to stop it before, and then um, we're just fighting it in the deep pool, and it just pulled. I mean, I think at yeah, might have been ah, uh, Jesus, I can't do that in feet, but it took a like a decent amount of line and meters, like maybe fifty meters mm. at, at times, and just yeah, just a tug of war. We got it in, and it took back off, but um, we did get it. We managed to get it away from the rapids, which yeah, helped a lot for my nerves. Um, and yeah, then we landed it after I don't know, maybe half an hour. And I was super relieved and it was a monster, man. And I I couldn't believe it. I Like, I really couldn't believe it that I managed to get that fish after all that time. And I was I was very close to tears, actually. I, yeah. I was going to cry, man, but <laughs> I can't remember. I might have cried. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, there's no shame in that. I, I told people the same thing. I was like, if I, you know, if and when I catch an arapaima i might cry uh, but but yeah so i these fish are awesome looking fish and we didn't really uh, even establish like you know we said their name you know we've talked about where they're from to anybody that's listening like do you like just describe what a golden masir is or like looks yeah. like um because it's a unique looking fish it's like a predatory giant carp long carp yeah yeah it, they look, they look very cool, man. Uh, I've never caught a fish that had like stunning colors like a golden marsier has. It, they really, especially when the sun shines, uh, it's amazing, man. The, the color is is crazy, and the scales are they're that big, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And um, so, I, I, how would I describe them? They they look like, um, they kind of look like a a, a long carp. You know, um, we have barbel here in yeah. Europe, European barbel. They look like a mix of a carp and a barbel, and kind of I don't know, man. Like, a, do you know the king barbers from Iran? Yeah, they kind of look like them too. It's but the colors, man. The colors are what make this fish special to me, and especially the big ones. It's it's hard to explain, man. You have to see them. Yeah, yeah. The big scales is what really like gives them that unique look these massive scales but now yeah. did you ever wonder if maybe like the approach was is this a fish that will take like a bait off the bottom like did you it try was, throwing yeah. different things at them were you second guessing like i don't know you know you get to a point where when the fish aren't coming mm. you have this internal struggle is like they're either not here or they're yeah. here and they're just not eating what i'm throwing so did you try different things or were you committed to the same kind so of approach I would, um, I think one afternoon we tried with live bait. Um, we did that at the confluence. The thing is, um, there's four camps in Panchasquara, uh, and it is, it can be crowded. If they all have guests, they all want to fish the confluence. So yeah. you either fish live bait at night where you, where you're not really, uh, bothering anyone or 
it's just not not easy to do during the day. So we could have done it at the spot that we uh, fished where I got the fish, but most of the fishing was been fishing. So we used um, Rapala jointed J13s and J11s, and then we used the Zarek fish traps, and that was pretty much the, the lures I used there. And again, I caught a couple. I mean, I caught a couple small ones on the J13s and um, on, on the Zarex, but nothing, again, up to that point, nothing um, bigger. Yeah, so not even like two pounds. So, yeah, most most of the fishing has been fishing. That's also the fishing technique that I would say is my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like a just a daunting, like, gruel of a of a of an approach it makes you wonder if the fish are hard to come by i know that you know it's i guess it's kind of sad because you know you hear about their cousin or maybe it's a larger cousin the humpback masseer yeah, which is basically yeah. basically disappeared yeah, um, yeah, yeah you know you wonder if maybe the golden masseer is having the same issue or what's driving that i don't know if it's pollutions so in the water also, or... yeah that's also something i wanted to talk about because it is the humpback masseer in South India is something uh, like they got massive and and um, like over a hundred pounds and mm-hmm. who knows maybe golden masseer get just as big but they just they're just not getting landed or uh, like there's some rumors that they might even be the bigger fish uh, of the two um, but um, yeah this like in, what happened in South India is very very sad. And I just talked um, to one of the guys at WASI, um, the Wildlife Association of South India. Um, they're kind of managing the last remaining populations and they have like, they're doing some conservation uh, conservation there and um, they might bring fishing back once the population and if, uh, it's not like once, but the, the, the thing is, if they can recover because there's lots of hybridization also there with the blue moss here, I think. So the fish species is threatened on all ends, man. Uh, it's uh, um, poachers and the hybridization. And also because um, like the poachers, um, I think they stopped fishing in 2012 down there. So the government like prohibited fishing there and all fishing tourism stopped. And soon after the, the fish species were pretty much gone. So yeah. um, the best thing to save the golden mass here, and definitely the populations are declining, the best thing that we as fishermen can do is go there and fish for them. Because once the fish is is worth more dead than alive, that's when poaching is going to pick up again. And then that's when, I mean, these communities, especially in Panchaswar, you, you can see signs of uh, like pick up your trash, only fish barbless hooks, the whole community um cares about the fish there yeah because that's what brings in the dollars you know and once that stops i mean you can't blame them they just want to feed their families and once once they're not making money off these fish from fishermen that come there and, and want to fish for them I'm, I'm sure poaching is going to pick up again so what we can do if we can afford it and india it's definitely one of the destinations that is more affordable than others so if you can afford it and don't push your plans too far, too far ahead, because who knows when um, maybe the same faith is going to happen to these northern cousins of the humpback masia. No one knows that. So, again, best thing you can do if you want the species to thrive and 
to keep existing is go there and fish for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, you know, you're not going to have any interest in going and protecting something or investing in something if you don't even know it exists. So the more that these images come out, because the image kind of sells itself. Like your photo is, is you, you, and that's the other thing. You take really good pictures of the fish, like that, that showcase the species well. And it's like, man, that thing is like, I don't even know how to describe it for like American anglers listening. You can kind of say carp. They're shaped almost like, it's like the body shape of like a snook for guys in Florida, but the scales of a tarpon. Yeah. But they're gold, but then they have like the mouth of like a redfish and then like two barbels. Very unique animal. Yeah, and sure. again, maybe but... nobody will ever, you know, from America that anybody listening is ever going to go chase him. It's one that I've watched for a while. I've seen for a while. I think I'm like you, though. I'm like, if I go to if I go to India, it's going to be for the goonch. I don't know why. I'm like, I don't really care too much about the Masir. Yeah. I want to catch that goonch, but uh that's what I yeah that's why originally that's what I said and um after having done the um the mass year I would do it again in a heartbeat man it was it was special and again you can you can catch them both in the same river there was no goonch or there's supposed to be no goonch in uh some say there is but the guides all the guys I talked to uh even from the other camps they all said that there is no goonch um but in Western Ramganga, you you can get um, both species in the same river, and oh, um, yeah, you can do that. But uh, I think they get smaller golden masses there. You can still get a thirty pound fish, even mm-hmm. a forty pound fish. Um, but if if you really want to have the best shot at a massive golden masier, I think you you have to go to go um, to Pancheswar and. Uh, yeah, the Himalayas, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, it's definitely good to have those like humbling experiences where you really have to like push to get the fish that way. I don't yeah. know. I feel like it, it recharges you, resets you. I don't know. It like reminds you that sometimes you actually have to work to catch things. As you know, there's, I feel it's like it's like anything else where there's like a conditioning involved. Like you have to condition your body just like you have to condition your mind. And uh, yeah. I think so. Well, listen, man. Uh, I was close. I, I asked myself many times, why do I even do this? Because it was, <laughs> again, I have a hard time focusing on anything else than the fishing while I'm doing it. So I every cast, I'm thinking, when is it going to hit? When is it going to hit? So I was doubting myself big time because, I mean, I've had tough fishing days. It's not like I've been fishing my whole life. So I've had fishing trips that haven't gone uh, as I've planned them to go. So uh, it's nothing new to me that, of course, it's it's fishing. It's it's not catching. So it's going to be hard work sometimes. But this one was just grueling. It was fishing for 10 hours a day, 10 plus hours, and just no rewards whatsoever. And I I asked myself, why why do you even do this, man? So, yeah. Um, again, I think if, if I would have caught that fish in the first day, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of glad it turned out the way it, it did for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you know the good thing is tough days on the water are a lot less tough when you can think back to other times you had tough days and there was something sweet at the end of it. For sure, you know, because yeah. otherwise you you might have tapped out a lot earlier. I've had a lot of similar type of trips where it took days just to catch the one fish, but yeah. then like that is so impactful. 
and remembering it to where when you encounter the same kind of misfortune later, yeah. you had a little bit more drive to be like, okay, I've, I've been here before and it ended like this. So it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing in a lot of ways. I don't know. It's all perspectives, but, um, anyway, man, I, I know we have, I've exhausted the, uh, the Masir thing. I could probably, I could probably talk more about it, but I want to, I want to do my due diligence to some of your other experiences. Cause on the flip side of that is uh, one of the real big ones for you seems to have been land-based shark fishing. And that's like a curious one to me because it's like, if you're a guy from Germany, uh, I wouldn't think there's a big culture for shark fishing around Germany. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm nah, like, nah. where did he get the gear? How did you understand the rigging? Like you went all the way to Australia. Like, so uh, tell me about some of the like land-based shark fishing, like endeavors in Australia, because like, you know, my big thing is wondering, I mean, where are you going with somebody that's a connection or are you hauling your yeah. own gear there? Like, how does that, how's that working? So that's, uh, that's funny. That's what really got me started. Shark fishing was all I wanted to do for so long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what really also, that's where the drive comes from to travel to far-flung destinations and fish for, for different species. But again, for a while, shark fishing was all I wanted to do. I, 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 could, I would have never gone to India. I would say, why would I go there if I can go shark fishing in Australia? Yeah. So um, how this started was, I was just a kid. I was I was still in school, and um, I saw some pictures from I, I I believe it was a bull shark or something from land, and I I couldn't fathom the like I couldn't believe that this fish was caught land based. So um, my fascination for sharks was always there. I always loved sharks, and when I saw that, um, I just all I consumed was shark shark fishing land-based shark fishing i remember it must have been 2012 2013 2014 something like that uh, i uh i like uh, this uh, was it the south florida shark fishing forum or something i subscribed to that and i just <laughs> read every thread on shark fishing uh it was all i was doing like i was getting home from school and it, it was straight on the internet trying to find anything on shark fishing so um I was like, that was the main goal of my life, man. I wasn't even worrying about school or what am I going to do for work. And uh, I mean, it's still a bit like that, but um, yeah. it was, uh, I don't know how old I was. I must have been like 15, 16, 17. It was all I wanted to do was catch a shark um, from a beach. So, um, yeah, at some point I found a guy on YouTube and his name, and now he's one of my best mates abroad uh, uh jack jacobs and he had a youtube or he has a youtube channel it's called aussie fisher aussie fisher nine or he might have changed it to just aussie fisher and um listen i just saw a video of him and i still i still know which one it was that might have been recorded in 2015 and i reached out to him on on his uh youtube comment section i was like listen man do you have do you have facebook or is there any way I can reach out to you? And he replied and he said, yeah, I do have Facebook. This is my name. And I got straight on Facebook. I messaged him and I was like, listen, <laughs> this is my dream. Um, I'm just a kid from Germany, but I want to catch a shark. And um, would you take me if I ever come to Australia? And he was like, yeah, why not? And uh, like, again, I, I, talk, I talked about the Indian people and how accommodating and nice they were. I can say the same thing about the Aussies. I mean, um, hmm. uh, uh, to me, this is my second home, you know? 
Um, so awesome people. And Jack, again, one of my best friends, I would say. Uh, and uh, back then he said, yeah, no worries. You just let me know when you when you'll uh, land in Australia and we'll go fishing together. And who knows if he actually thought I would come to Australia. He might have thought, yeah, all right, just a kid from Germany who wants to go shark fishing. Let's yeah. not be rude and tell him it's not a problem. But, yeah, a couple of years later after school, um, I went on a working holiday visa to Australia. So I, I was able to spend a year there. And, yeah, landed in Sydney. A week later, I flew to Adelaide and then to Port Lincoln in South Australia. And he came and picked me up and we went fishing. And after that, we fished like for months together and every weekend and all my life in Australia was centered around shark fishing. So we've done plenty of trips in South Australia and we also went tiger shark fishing to Western Australia. So all I know about shark fishing, I've learned from him. And yeah, um, yeah I can take no credit uh, for myself. Everything, every, he, he taught me everything about shark fishing that I know today. And um yeah, the gear, actually, um, I got my shark fishing rod from Peter Barrett in uh, Florida. Okay, yeah, uh, I know him. So he sent it over to Australia when I was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got him. That's another guy. I don't think, I, he probably doesn't listen to this, but he's the one that's like, that I'd actually like to bring on to yeah. the podcast as well, because, um, man, the rods he builds are phenomenal but yeah uh, it's amazing for sure it, it's yeah. funny how you mentioned the uh the connection online because i mean you've probably gotten similar things uh, i know i've certainly gotten messages where you know you post a big flashy fish of some sort and you know you typically get those messages or those comments where people will reach out it's very common um you get a lot of people that reach out and like express some little bit of interest in, in coming yeah. and doing what what you do and and i've always been open but i've also found that like 99 percent of them is just dreamers you know what i mean yeah. but it's like every now and then like the you know you get this big fuzzy cloud of anglers who are sort of they're kind of in it they're kind of out of it they like to do it but it, there's a few people where it's like so intense that it becomes like it's like an obsession and i feel like those people are a lot less common than maybe what instagram looks like you know what i mean you'd think that everybody's a diehard but uh you find that the real true ones are they're like hidden in the mix of the ones that enjoy fishing or maybe yeah. just enjoy the theatrics of social media but it's always interesting when you get the two that that really are about it that find each other and you can kind of forge those connections because man i can i can totally relate like some of my best experiences here in, just in the United States, have mm. come from guys that I just reached out to, and yeah. like you know, you establish yeah. these bonds yeah. with. And that's another thing too, because you know, at least um, I don't know, maybe it's a little different over there, but like in, in a lot of times in the U.S., people are very standoffish. Like you know what I mean? Like mm. you know, you you get people that message you about where you know, you know where you're fishing. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You know, stay <laughs> back, buddy. This is all for me. Yeah, right. But uh, you, you know, do get that in Germany, though. Yeah, it's it's people are protective of their fishing spots yeah. for sure. And the only the only place that I've felt like it's it's not like that is Australia. Um, I mean, I, I do again. Networking still works here. Uh, I most of my carp fishing, I'm not really, I'm not that much into it um, than my friends are. But here. 
to like we have lakes where you know there's 60 pound carp in there yeah but you'll never fish that lake because it's members only and no new members uh, so it's impossible to get in there so the only way to get in there is through a friend that is a member and he can take you fishing you pay a fee and it's at least at some of them it's like that so without networking I would have never caught half the carp I've caught, you know? I yeah. mean, we do have them in our rivers here, uh, and I, I do get decent ones there, but my PBs were all in, in, in those lakes where I could never fish on my own. So um, I see why people can be protective, but, man, my best experiences uh, have come from networking because people were open and said, listen, let's go fishing together. And I don't have that much to offer in return, uh, I mean, I'm kind of blessed that I live in a place where I can reach good fishing destinations in a couple of hours. Yeah. But the fisheries that I have at my doorstep, I mean, I don't know, but I wouldn't travel from Australia to to Germany to fish. I mean, probably not. Who knows? But yeah, people were open. They said, come over. Let's fish together. They wanted nothing in return. And... I, I I would hope that I would do the same, you know. And and if anyone wants to fish, I'm not I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that people of good sound character like that have an internal gauge where they can recognize if somebody else has good sound character as well, and are not just coming to yeah. not just coming to leech off of them. I, I mean, I get a lot of I've I've had a lot of inquiries from guys from overseas, and I'm all about it. I like, I want all of them to come and see my waters. I like, I would take a great deal of pride in, yeah. in hosting people like that. But I do, even me sometimes, like if it's somebody that's also from Florida, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, figure, I, it out, I like, saying, yeah. <laughs> figure it out yourself, buddy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you've got the access to the same waters I do. Put, put in a little bit of time, a little bit of research and you know, you, you got to find a nice way to let yeah. them down easy like eh. i know what you're saying i, I see what you're saying maybe yeah. it's maybe it's the people that come from a little bit further away it's like you know you're happy to to host but mm. but the shark fishing is um it's funny like that's the type of fishing yeah we, we all get like the, i think a lot of kids a lot of young men a lot of boys you know you you see a shark it's just it's one of those animals that's like in the spectrum of animals in the animal kingdom it is like the what the lion is on land that's what it is in the, the ocean animal, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's like it's there's the element of fear involved. It's just like this monster thing. But I, I was looking through your stuff and I saw where you've even gone so far as to like cage dive with great whites. I'm like, I keep telling my wife, I'm like, <laughs> we talk about traveling and do these like romantic getaways. I'm like, would I asked her, like, would you ever like get I got the cage for you. If you want to do that, if you want to have your wife to have a good time and also have a great time uh, in, in terms of fishing, the Air Peninsula in South Australia is the place for you to go, mm -hmm. man. It's it's like it, I I couldn't see myself living in many places, but South Australia, Adelaide area, or the Air Peninsula, Port Lincoln area is where I I, I could grow old, man. Uh, yeah. It's it has everything for me. The beaches is like beautiful. You have so many different species of fish. You can fish for yellowtail kingfish, which is I I I think you call kingfish. Kingfish is something different over your way, I think. 
you call the mackerels, the king mackerels, kingfish, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different. Um, the yellowtail kingfish are like the amberjacks with the yellowtail. Okay. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. You see they, the videos uh, of the guys like popping for them from rocks and stuff, and exactly. Yeah. Well, that's you can do that. It's harder there. Uh, you you typically go out and jig for them. Okay. Um, you you have Samson fish there. You have the yellowtail kingfish. You can catch blue groper there which is like, they kind of look like a Maori Ross. Just, I don't know, maybe, you, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, blue gropers? Have you seen a photo of them? Maybe. What was the other yeah. the Ross you just mentioned? Maori Ross. Oh, I'm not too sure. I think so these was... are the ones that you can catch in Polynesia and stuff. Like, like a, Napoleon. Like a Napoleon. Yeah. Oh, so I know those as a Napoleon Ross. Yeah, that's another name for them, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's just, uh, uh, um, exactly, so... Um, the blue groper have this, like, they all, they're super blue and they look stunning and they fight like crazy. I've never actually caught, I've only caught small ones, but that's definitely also on the, on the, on the list, uh, for when I go back there. Um, so you, you got the wine, uh, like the wineries there, good food. And again, it's not too hot, not too cold. It's Mediterranean climate. Mm -hmm. And I love it there, man. If, if I could live anywhere in the world, I'd live on the Air Peninsula. So you can do the cage diving there. You can catch bronze whaler sharks off the beaches. You can do so many different kinds of fishing. And um, I love it there. So I'm definitely going to be back. It's on on the cards for sure. Yeah. Well, we we need to open the, you know, open the gates, my, my wife and I, to like, getting into travel yeah. soon but you know it gets a little bit tough we got two young kids so it's like navigating around that it's a long fig time. figuring out a way to bring yeah. them which is going to be double the cost mm. is uh is, is something but yeah australia fishing that's like a bucket list place for everybody and like the, sh the yeah. sharks that you've caught are like the big giant tiger i love your photos too because it's like you know like you're in the water like <laughs> with a with like a 12 foot tiger shark j yeah. just alone just you with it in your arms i'm like oh my gosh look at that thing the um but yeah, th yeah that is it's a yeah. unique fishery because a lot of their species look similar to like the ones we have in like florida like they've got uh you know what what is the grouper there the queensland grouper looks similar to our goliath grouper well that's yeah that's up north i guess and, that's uh, the other side of australia yeah, exactly yeah, so what well, uh, Western Australia, if you go up further north, um, it's when you get the lemon sharks and all these kind of species. Okay. Um, where I was, was just like, you could, you could get bronze, but like bronze whalers are more like a Southern shark species. So you get the them. Dusky. Uh, not, not, yeah, they, they look similar. I think there's a, there's a difference, uh, but yeah. also it might be, they might like the colder water a bit more. Yeah. So where I fished in Western Australia was, you could still catch bronzies, but that's where the um, the tiger shark started. And if you went up further north, that's when you catch hammerheads and all that sort of stuff. Um, and South Australia, you can only catch bronze whalers. Six gill sharks, uh, no, sorry, seven gillers. Uh, you can also catch, I caught one decent one in 2020. And then um, the my favorite species of sharks are the bronze whalers, man. They look mm. so cool. Yeah. And they fight super hard. And they, if if I could only catch one fish for the rest of my life in, in one destination, I'll probably say Air Peninsula um, bronze whaler sharks. Well, that's pretty high praise for that shark. Being yeah. that I, you know, I've seen all the stuff that you caught, but uh, yeah, and, and I saw uh, one. This is another sort of random tidbit or observation of looking through your stuff, but uh, 
I saw where you'd seen, a, I think it was a walking on the beach, one of those big cassowary birds. Yeah. And like, yeah. I've watched like specials on those. And I remember watching, you know, we all watched Steve Irwin when we were kids, yeah. but I remember yeah. seeing like the famous clip of him running and having to jump over a fence because it's trying to like kick yeah. him. I'm like, them things scare me. You know what I mean? It looks like a dinosaur. Like you yeah, hear reports are, of them attacking people. Again, it's probably me being naive. It's just a big bird. But I saw that. Nah, I was like, I'd be scared I mean, of that thing. Yeah. They can be sketchy, I think, especially with those claws, man. It doesn't look like. That that doesn't look like a bird. That definitely looks like half dinosaur for sure. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the legs and the claws, it's crazy. And I might have gotten too close to it. I, I was just I was just so fascinated. I didn't think much. I was full of adrenaline. Yeah. It's like with the sharks. I get in the water. I don't really think about it. Mm. And plus, they're kind of disoriented, so they're not really trying yeah. to eat and stuff. So uh, again. Um, for for non fishermen or non shark fishermen, this might seem crazy, but it's actually not that uh, big of a deal to get in the water with them once you caught them. Um, but with the cassowary bird, that was in North Queensland, and I also shark fished there only uh, once, and I didn't spend that much time up there. I caught some barramundi and um, shark fished once and didn't catch one. But um, yeah, the the birds were cool. That was my highlight from up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Australia is definitely, and it's like, you know, people will say Australia, like it's a small place. I mean, it's, it's uh, so enormous and so like diverse. Yeah. There's even places where they're getting like land-based Marlin there, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. From, like, I think that's Jervis, that's Jervis Bay in New, New South Wales, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Cause yeah, I like yeah. reached out to this one guy that went viral on, on one, maybe earlier this year um just yeah. to ask about it but freaking crazy um i would think that like you know i don't know man you know i like that story how you're this guy from germany who just dreamed of sharks i just can't imagine like the moment maybe i don't know which one was more spectacular like i would think like you see like something like a great white on tv during shark week on a tv like on a tv screen yeah you know you get no scale of reference for how big they are like what they're really like when you're there's like nothing between you and them other than a few steel bars yeah but i would think that like there's like this moment of reckoning when you finally get to lay eyes on yeah i was as a kid yeah. i was super excited um actually i was the only one in the cage the whole day because the other was the other people were kind of waiting outside till the sharks showed up. I just wanted to be down there, and uh, I was the first one to actually see the shark. And then all the other ones got in, but I was super, super like I wasn't nervous at all. I was just excited, man. Yeah, and it was very cool, but definitely not as cool as my first um, uh, sharks that I caught. Um, yeah, because at least then uh, you can touch them and really yeah, interact yeah, with them, but. Yeah. But, and uh, my first, my first one was a bronze whaler, uh, and then the second one was a scalp. I think a scalped hammerhead or a smooth hammerhead. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, with the hammerheads, like the greater the great hammerhead is easy to tell tell apart from the others. But when you get to the smaller species, I think they are the smooth hammerhead. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my second shark, and my dream shark to catch. Um, I mean, I, I do follow Spencer Wonder also from Terra, Terra Firma Tackle, and yeah. um, the prickly sharks look cool. Um, also, the uh, what was the the, the other one? Uh, the big one from up north, Alaska. Jeez. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh geez. And I had him on the podcast. He's the first guest 
he's episode yeah. one, literally of the I've podcast. I've listened to that one. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, yeah. That was the uh, the sleeper sleeper shark. shark. Sleep, yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. So that one also, but above all, I would love to catch a pointer. Uh, and they call them pointer in, in Australia. Um, great white shark. That would be the one that mm-hmm. uh, I would love to catch. And uh, I mean, you're not technically allowed to catch them in Australia. And we we also like we couldn't use certain sizes of hooks, and we kind of we didn't. But in the back of your mind, you also like you always hoping, kind of hopefully, uh, one comes by and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, Sp- Spencer wonders like an anomaly as in terms yeah. of land based yeah, fishermen. I don't, yeah. I just, I don't understand some of the fish he's managed to catch. Crazy, just blow, sure, my, blows my mind. Yeah, I, you know, you could say the same thing about something like a sawfish, like uh, which which are also in Australia, but uh, yeah. You know, we, I think the same thing every time I kind of dabble in the shark fishing here in Florida, you know, usually in the winter months, probably actually December, January is when I'll start yeah. running some shark baits out myself, yeah, but cool. it's always in the back of your mind. It's like, oh, boy, I sure uh, wouldn't be unhappy <laughs> if a sawfish came yeah. by and grabbed that, but it's, you know, what are the odds? But, uh, but it, nah, happens, sure. it happens all the time, but, um, yeah, yeah. dude, well, the shark nah, that'd fishing, be, uh, that'd be cool for sure. Uh, I mean, it might be, it might, might never happen. And again, you you have to be careful about the regulations and stuff. Yeah. I would never want to get in trouble for, um, I wouldn't target them specifically. And I'd always um, mm. check regulations. And we, we, we've done that all, like always. But again, who knows? I'd even be happy with a juvenile one. I don't need oh, a yeah. book of great wide. I'd be happy with an eight footer just to see one in person just to touch it and, and see it swim back. That'd be a dream. dream You'd almost mine. prefer it because I would have this deep fear of losing the fish. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, yeah. the bigger That'd they get, right. the bigger they get, the more at peril they are of some kind of trauma at the, yeah. you know, at the end of the line, you just, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I know here in Florida, it's like, kind of like, you know, that's like the ultimate sin is yeah. having wash ups. Yeah. Um, and because it just threatens the, legality of the of the pastime you know when the yeah, big sharks wash up shark fishing is on the verge of probably not existing much longer so yep. who knows man um i mean places like australia um also new zealand I, i'm not sure about new zealand but um australia they're kind of banning it uh, uh, um in western australia there's lots of bands in south australia they're talking about banning it near adelaide and then I've, I've, at least i've heard that i'm not sure if it actually i'm not really um, um up to date with that but um you kind of don't want to you don't want that to go away because again that was for a long time that was the only thing i wanted to do before i kind of discovered other fisheries but Again, I, I would I would say if I if I could do only one thing, that's bronze whale sharks in South Australia. So I, I'd I'd hate to I'd hate to see that go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I totally agree. It's already you know I think we've got some states here where it's illegal. There's certainly individual beaches where it's already illegal. Um, you know, it's, people get scared. They don't want that idea of them come it's it's due in part to that and then there's just like oh it's cruel but uh yeah but i, I wanted to, you know i transitioned from something that's not super relatable or understood for the american angler that might be listening to something that's more relatable in the shark fishing but now i want to go jump back again just like i said we're sort of jumping around 
but it's like there's there's things that i i have to ask for my own like (laughs) my own personal interest i'm like this is for me to know about but the other trip that you've done that is so interesting to me and i have not had a guest on yet that has done this one i don't think larry walker maybe because that guy's been everywhere. <laughs> There's like been all over the world multiple times over. But you yeah. went and you fished, uh, I think, Mongolia, right? For Timon? Yeah, that's it. So yeah, that, cool. that is, uh, it's, are these just things that you just drum up in your mind and say, I think I want to go do that? I mean, like, <laughs> where does that <laughs> well, one come from? This one, I got very lucky. Again, networking is um, the reason I got to Mongolia. Um I happen to live in the um, same town uh, here in southwestern Germany as one of the most influential traveling fishermen uh, of our time, especially here in Europe. Uh, his name is Olivier Portra. Um, it's a French name, so I kind of pronounce that uh, in French. Um, yeah, he's he's written books, and he's. I think there's not a not a guy that has published more uh, um, articles and and has had more um, photos on the cover of magazines than him. So um, he, he does his annual um, uh, Mongolia trips and I got, I've gotten to know, uh, to know him. And he also, he, he's taken me to Sweden where I've had the best predator fishing I've ever had uh, with, with perch and, and pike. And that was a crazy trip too. So that was earlier in 2022. And then, in the fall of 2022, we went to Mongolia together with a group of people. He doesn't do like, uh, um, he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't sell the trips. I, I, I would say he's not, he doesn't profit off of them. Um, he just takes friends fishing there and he yeah. has like full on operation there with uh, tons of locals that help him. He has his base camp there and he's just a, a great guy. And he asked me if I wanted to join. And I couldn't say no. So that's how I ended up in, in Mongolia. Yeah. Yeah. Now these are like, you know, I see the photo of the trout in the background and like they are, they look like a big, long trout. Is it similar yeah. to like, is it just a scaled up version of like, I don't know, chasing a giant brown trout? I mean, is it is it comparable? It's I've read about them and they seem almost like a mix between a trout and like a muskie. I've heard that they're very much like territorial to where it's like, you, you know that certain fish are in yeah. certain areas, if that makes sense, which seems yeah. very unique for any no, type of fish. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they're the biggest species of trout in the world. So they are a trout and, uh, they, they're just very, very big. They're massive men. It's hard to, it's hard to, we know trout and like a 50 centimeter trout is a big one or i don't know to, how to say that in inches but it's uh it's crazy to go from that to a timon it's a big jump it's a just a massive trout with you can see the teeth also it's just a trout on steroids pretty much yeah. and um the way they attack your lure it's that they jerk the rod right of, out of your hand and we fished in belly boats so we drifted down river and um uh like the hits were crazy um and there again it's a very sensitive fishery so um we only used um uh barbless hooks and mm-hmm. only single hooks so we used soft baits on single hooks and um yeah just a quick shot and put the fish right back because that's again very sensitive fishery and only a couple places in Mongolia and um, Russia that you can do this. So um, 
But you've mentioned that Americans don't travel much. I think Mongolia is one of the this uh, one of the far flung destinations where lots of Americans go because mm-hmm. there's a couple of uh, American um, outfitters there um, that you know, like I think they're solely for fly fishing, uh, and I, I think lots of Americans do go there. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But definitely. It seems like if there's enough of a well, I don't want to sell it short. There's a lot of Americans are moving around, especially the fly anglers. Yeah, um, like the fly anglers seem more in tuned with yeah I, variety. I think so as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's. It, but then on the other side of that is like American anglers really like things that are familiar to what they already know. It's like you know, we'll go to South America and catch peacock bass and forget yeah. about like forget about all of the other fish because peacock bass has the word bass in it yeah and it's like they're cool yeah, right. they're great looking fish but i'm just like guys i what well, and it's 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 interesting like we have in north america we've got some sensational fish that a lot of people neglect it's very interesting like yeah. our alligator gar has probably been a, a, one of the better examples of that that's very never understood i'm like why aren't more people chasing this fish just had a guy on uh the other day the episode hadn't come out yet we literally just recorded like two days ago and uh he fly fishes for him fly fishing for alligator gar i'm like you can catch him on lures you can sight fish for him with fly gear they will take they will take artificial lures they can grow eight feet long and 250 pounds where is everybody like i'd fish for them for years and always wonder. I would love to catch one, man. I yeah. I remember reading about them like 15 years ago, some article in a German magazine, and he went. I uh, the guy went fishing with Kirk Kirkland, I think was his name. I, I fished with Kirk back in 2010. I know all these guys. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, but um, definitely, I want to do that eventually. Yeah. For sure. Well, you talk about a fish with just. I feel like on a on a global scale, like fish that have character or fish that have characteristics, like it's like unique mm. bodies and and character. I mean, I would put an alligator gar up there with 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 all the craziest. I agree, freshwater yeah. fish. Okay. Just, uh, but it's again, it's another one. It's like you got guys that live in Texas with them right in their backyard, and they want nothing to do with them. I'm like, what That's is that? Crazy. Yeah, like what is <laughs> that? I would fish. I would fish a lot for them, I think. Because oh, yeah. that's also one of those trips I've like I have to do that before I leave this earth for sure. I have to yeah. catch an alligator or I have to catch a white sturgeon. There's so many things I need to do and I will ho- hopefully, hopefully be able to do down the line. Um I want to catch a Piraiba in 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 Brazil or yeah. Suriname. I, I need to do that also. I want to go to Japan and catch uh, uh, the timing that they got over there, the Japanese timing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things I want to do, so it's it's gonna take it's gonna take a couple of years till I, I get. I, I'm right there with you. I'm way behind as far as getting on the ball and actually doing it. Um, you know, I feel like it's like a lot of these guys want to do it, but there's like this initial hump to get over of uncertainty. But like once. Like, I mean, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, after doing my trip last month, I'm like, that's all I can think about. It's all I want to do is, like, travel. And it's funny because I live in Florida. Like, yeah. like, there's so much amazing fishing around me that I'm, like, neglecting. Maybe I should just focus on what's in my backyard first. But uh, but the thing is, what I the way I think is, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years. In 10 years, these destinations might not be reachable for us. Maybe fuel yep. prices increase 
at a, at a staggering uh, amount so that we can't even afford traveling that far or with the world uh, I'm, I just come came back from Lebanon with uh, the war in Israel and and, mm-hmm. and Palestine and the world is going crazy with Ukraine and Russia who yeah. knows how long we can we can keep traveling and fishing so in my mind I want to do it yesterday you know I want to do it now because you, yep. you never know what's going to happen in the future. And I might be also neglecting my fishing, which is close by here. But I, in my mind, I'm just going to do that when I can't do the other stuff. That's yep. how I think about I it. I agree with that. I think the I think the pandemic kind of triggered that in my mind a little bit, too, when they just start just shut everything down. I'm like, oh, yeah. my gosh, it's that easy to just make everything stop. I'm like, I, mm-hmm. and I had some loose plans to go to France when that happened. Um that will probably be maybe my next trip. It's like I, I really want to do. I, I've got a connection in France that okay. uh, does a lot with the, whale, with the whales, catfish. Uh, he is in a small town called. Well, I don't want to butcher. I don't want to butcher the names of these places. I'll just oh. say it's, it's southern yeah. France and on the Rhone River, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh. Um, but yeah, there's this yeah, guy. Yeah. There's this guy down there, Matt Alexander. Okay. Uh, fished all o- all over the world, and I think he's just come back from like spending a month, um, doing a exploratory trip on the like quarantine river in South America. So he's done oh, a lot of stuff, and and um, and he's he's another good example of people that you network with over time. I think yeah, I've talked right. to him for about ten years now, or close to it. Um, but that that's close a guy I would love to get with. I really want one of those big whales catfish. I don't know if you've done that one yet, um, wow. but. I, I can't do that at my local river. Um, I, I've caught them up to one one point four meters, which is Jesus. What's that in feet? I uh, can't tell you that in feet. I do know that ten feet is three meters. So, yeah, that's half of that. Yeah. Okay. So I was about five, to say I would, five, I would think that would have been a little over five feet. Yeah. 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 So ten feet is in my in my head because of shark fishing. That's the magic mark for us, uh, yeah. or that was the magic marks uh, that I've breached two or three times um but yeah so um i can do that at my doorstep but i haven't really spent that much time I, and a friend of mine catches them like over two like he, he's caught fish of over two meters in my local river which is like that's the magic mark also but, oh it has shifted uh as more and more big fish have been caught so the magic mark seems to be two meter 50 now especially yeah. in spain italy and 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 france but where i live a two meter fish is massive and and he's caught like two or three now in my local river which is like just a couple of kilometers from where i live so i again i said i've been neglecting my local fisheries a bit um i've been doing more carp fishing this year so i've been getting back into that which was like the first love of my fishing life i would say when i was a kid i've been getting back into that uh uh, this year but again the wells thing is definitely something i want to do but maybe because it's so close to me i've always like kind of pushed that one back because i felt like you can you can always do that you can always go to spain uh italy where i fished uh, for marble trout and and piemonte you just drive a couple of hours uh east i think and then you you reach the Po River, which is arguably the best destination in the world to get uh, to catch big Welsh catfish. But yeah. I just haven't haven't done it yet. Um, definitely something I want to do eventually. But again, the far uh, flung destinations is where my attention uh, goes to 
uh, for the most part, just because I have that sense of urgency. I want to do these things before some of the species go extinct, before travel regulations kind of make it impossible or who knows what's going to happen, you know, as as I've said before. So definitely something I need to do whilst catfish. Maybe when when you come and visit, I, I can drive down and meet you there. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I, I don't know if I would want to shoot that one in the dark alone. You know, I, I get it like, I'm like, I'm going to get out there and get lost. I like, I need somebody. <laughs> I need a, somebody to help me. <laughs> but well, I, I, I'm not going to be that person. I think you're, uh, uh, my, uh, I have, I, 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 I mean, I've spin fished for them. I've caught someone on, on spin fishing gear, but only small ones. Yeah. And then again, you, in France, you can live bait them, it's legal in Germany. So I've caught some on, on worms and, and dead baits. Uh, but again, I've, I just haven't spent enough time doing it to get around the big ones. It's a, it's a waiting game pretty much. You have to just do it enough, enough times and then you'll eventually get the big ones in my local river. But again, Spain, Italy and France, if you go there for a week, you're very likely to get a, a decent fish for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to just go where my odds would probably be, be- I think I, you know, you see Spain all the time seems to be the one that where most yeah. of the stuff's happening, but this probably sounds kind of stupid. To, for, I just, the landscape, it just doesn't look as, this shouldn't matter, but for <laughs> some reason, like where it looks like they're like in dirt and like sand yeah. looks less interesting than, I don't know. Yeah, I know, I, I know what you're saying. Um, it's, yeah, it really depends on what you, what yeah. you like. I, I think they can't fish at night. They have to use pellets. There's a lot of like parameters. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. I want to go somewhere think, yeah. where like the gates are open to like increase my odds, not decrease Although, my odds. From from what I've heard, um, uh, especially in France, on the Petit uh, Petit one, it's called. Uh, it's um, not the Rhone River, but one of the, like the um, small Rhone or it's like a small. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. Exactly. So I think, um, well, catfish fishermen have ruined it for everyone there for a couple of years because mm-hmm. they left. Um, you, you just hear stuff like that. I don't want to, it might not be that bad, but I've heard that, um, there has been lots of problems with the French, um, yeah, fishery, uh, agents and, and stuff like that. From what I've heard that, um, yeah, you, you're allowed less and less these days. So again, good thing to do it sooner than later. Yeah. 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 That That's, I, I, that's where I'm at right now. I, I totally agree. You hit all the, all the points. It's getting more expensive, more difficult. Anything could happen with wars or crazy stuff it's 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 sad i've neglected so many fish here like a muskie like the i think maybe i'll probably actually i think i'm actually gonna end up doing muskie next year just to get that one out of the way it's like that's a cool one too yeah i i know i I really want that one i've never even caught a pike there's so much in north america that i haven't caught there's (laughs) a lot of a lot of the salmonids um anyway but you know, there's so many fish, such a little time. It's it's like I have to squeeze it in where I can. So you're right. I'm I'm trying to like swing for home runs first, then I'll tackle the ones that are close, closer by. But totally uh, agree. Um, but anyway, so like a guy like you who's doing these things, I don't know. Do you have an idea on what's next? I mean, do you have you already got any kind of tentative plans in the yes, next year? Yeah. 
Yeah. So right now I'm kind of saving money. So I'm a student. So I'm, I'm doing my marketing science master degree. I'm finishing next year. Uh, and up, up until next year, I'm not planning any bigger trips because I'm trying to save money. I want to do like a longer trip for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to jinx it by uh, talking too much about it, but um, there's like, uh, yeah, there's uh, big things planned for sure. And um, so I, at the moment, I'm planning an eight-month trip. So, um, wow. yeah, I want to kind of start it in New Zealand and Australia. Uh, I want to do um, in New Zealand, I want to catch some, I want to do some trout fishing maybe and definitely do some bronze whale fishing because they have crazy bronze whale fishing mm-hmm. and also have like a contact there and um, been talking to the guy for a long time uh, or for quite some time. I shouldn't say a long time, for quite some time. And um, yeah, um, he's open to go and fish with me. And again, I fished for, uh, for bronze, so I kind of know what I'm, doing i mean again still always better to have a local with you but uh it's not like a new fishery to me a new country yes but definitely something i want to do again so um yeah doing uh i want to start in new zealand go over to australia meet some meet some friends i haven't seen in in a couple of years now and show my uh girlfriend uh, australia and yeah then move on to southeast asia i want to catch a giant snakehead that's very too. Me too. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So nothing is set in stone yet. It's just we're kind of saving money for this. We are slowly kind of planning and and like who knows what's gonna happen till next year. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm planning for. And I'm hoping to also um get over to the States and um do some fishing there. Um I have a a friend in Canada that I wanna go fish with. I love a lake trout. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love a white sturgeon. There's so many, again, so many things I, I would yeah. love to catch. Alligator gar is very high on the list. So, I mean, I'll, I'll see when the money runs out, but all of that yeah. is kind of, <laughs> kind of planned. And also if I can make it down to Uruguay and go some, uh, go do some golden Dorado fishing mm-hmm. or to the Rio Zingu in, in Brazil and, and go Piraiba fishing so many things. Yeah. Um, who knows what I'm going to end up doing in, in this uh, span of time. But if everything goes the way I, I, I imagine it, I can tick them all off. But we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll speak on behalf of the United States fishing, at least things like alligator gar and even white sturgeon to a point, depending upon where you go. It, it, they're very attainable. It's okay. almost an assured, like, success uh, awesome. in some, yeah, in some circumstances. That. You're not going to be driving for eight hours on horrible roads and fishing for a week and not getting bit like the alligator gar is pretty low hanging fruit. It's a, it's more a matter of getting a big one. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. You can catch a fish guaranteed, yeah, right. but getting the bigger ones is maybe a little That's bit more of an endeavor, yeah. but um, yeah, man, if you ever come to the United States and in, you know, if you come to Florida, I'd be happy to, to, put you on some kind of fish but otherwise i've got a lot yeah. of information resources i could i could give you a lot of tips on who to go with where to go for some of the other species white sturgeon alligator gar but uh, i would love that man i would love but, that yeah and it, it all depends on like how you like to do it too you know what i mean i i did the white sturgeon thing but i was in idaho not mm, yeah in- i listened uh i've listened to that episode i think with was it uh with the rip and run outdoors guy, what was it? Jacob, Jacob, Jacob something. Wilkins. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fun. Yeah, I follow him also. Yeah, yeah. 
he's that he's an interesting one. Sturgeon and then land based shark fishing. I think he's yeah. back in I think he's back in Idaho now. But All right, uh, yeah. But anyway, man. Um well dude, I've enjoyed this conversation. Like I that's the thing, it's like the tone of this podcast is is about you know, it isn't as much although there's there has been a cry of request for more in depth how to's and mm-hmm. like the technical side of the fishing. But the tone has always been more like a call to action for people to, yeah. to take into consideration other kinds of fishing that you can do. Um, so it's it's fun to talk to people from different places who are still geared with the same mindset for wanting to go and travel. But um, I know a lot of people, it's funny that you're like, I don't want to jinx it. I was the same way leading up to my trip to Guyana. I did not want to say a word about it. I'd already yeah. put the money down. I already had my <laughs> flight tickets. It was all secured, but I, I'm, I kept telling everybody, I was like, until the plane wheels leave the ground, <laughs> this trip isn't happening. I was so I scared. So I was like, but um, still, I think a lot of guys struggle with that, that have that internal struggle to just put the money down or, yeah. put the, or to put the money aside. I know I struggled with that for the longest time. It's just like having the, the, the discipline to say, you know what? Now is when I need to travel. I need to start creating a fund or something and lay tentative plans down and just, I don't know, sometimes you have to break through this barrier of uncertainty and like fear and just go do the trips that you want to do. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Even if it means going it alone and being solo or going with your girlfriend. Yeah, so. <laughs> by any but. means necessary, for sure. I mean, I'm a student. I don't have that much money, so... I really have to, I, I, I do work, uh, I do work, I do some work um, besides uni and I save, I try to save every penny and I, I write fishing articles and the money I make there, I also kind of put that aside straight away. And this is, I mean, anyone can try to afford it. I mean, of course there's like, and I don't want to sound like uh, it's, maybe it is not for everyone, but I have very limited resources in terms of money. And I kind of make it happen because it's really my passion and I love doing it. And yeah. aside from uh, soccer, there's not much more that keeps me going. And soccer and fishing is w- what I love and, and working out. And that's that's all I need, you know. Yeah. Of course, family is important and spending time with my girlfriend. But if I can combine these two, uh, uh, fishing and spending time with my girlfriend, uh, I happily yeah. take that, you know. Yeah, And it's just a matter of, yeah. It's a matter of will. And, and if you want to do it, do it. Go out and connect with people. Um, make connections all over the world. And, and who knows, you, you might you might have an adventure on your hand. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I try to tell a lot of the, my buddies that are kind of struggling with it right now. I'm like, dude, I guarantee you, you have $1,500 worth of junk in your garage right now if you're just willing to part ways with it and sell it or in your mm-hmm. attic. Or I guarantee you, you eating out fast food restaurants five days a week start meal prepping you there's another you know ungodly amount of money the the amount of money people spend on dumb stuff is crazy when you really start crunching the numbers or buying like a five thousand dollar piece of electronics to go on your boat i'm like you're all you're doing is fortifying the walls around you and keeping you in when you do that so but um anyway man yeah we didn't even touch on a lot of the stuff that you do maybe we'll do it at, maybe i mean you're probably one adventure away from having another great conversation so i could always bring you back on we didn't talk about the costa rica stuff all the jungle yeah. stuff that i saw you doing um the rooster fish from the kayaks anyway 
people who <laughs> might want to see this stuff because it goes a lot far beyond that. I know you're, at least from what I can tell, you don't seem like Mr. Try to show everything in Instagram, but still, um, I, I've seen, and I didn't touch on the article stuff either. Granted, it was all written in a different language. I, I was thumbing <laughs> through some of your article stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. man, this, is, this is awesome. But people who might want to see some of the fish. Uh, the Mongolia one is in English, I think. Yeah, the Mongolia one might be. I have um, I, I've published one in French, uh, in French. One in English and the rest was all German. So, yeah, yeah awesome. definitely. Yeah, it's people, just I, I just enjoy doing it. So uh, it's a uh, yeah, it's a cool way to make a bit of money, and that all goes back into fishing. Yeah, oh for sure. Well, anytime you can like find a way to creatively like make money off of fishing that can go back into fishing, to where at the very least you break even and it's being paid for. I'm far from breaking breaking even, but well, uh, cutting into the expense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's a bit more like it. Yeah, it's it it, get, it does get expensive, and again, you have to make compromises. I'm not really doing much else. I, I mean, I do go out, I do watch my local soccer club, I do these things, but a lot of things um, you have to say no to because otherwise, I mean, the money has to come from somewhere, you know, and. Uh, especially if it, if you have if you don't have the income that uh, I'm not a, I don't work full time so you know but yeah thank yeah. you for having me I really enjoyed this and um, with the other stuff Costa Rica and, and Italy I would have loved to talk about the marble trout also because that's been one of my passions mm. lately well which was also like with a lot of heartbreak but um, yeah we can if you yeah we can do another one for sure yeah, for well. So in the meantime, though, like if people who want to see some of your stuff, what's the best place for them to find your photos? Your or maybe like in the spirit of people wanting to reach out with interest, or even if it's just a simple question, networking wise, how yeah. how what's the best place for people to find you? Is it Instagram? Uh, is it Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Instagram. And, and, and where is that? What is the? Um, so I've kind of butchered my name a bit. I had to. Uh, it's Christopher Kratz, but um, not uh, in those letters. One sec. Uh, I'll have to check. So it's C-R-S-T-P-H-R underscore K-R-T-Z. So I left out a couple. Uh, yeah. Couple. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm going to put that um, in the description and I'll put it up on the screen of the video. And then obviously before each episode, I kind of record a little a little no worries. Yeah, so. and I'll throw it up on there. So anyway, dude, um, I don't know, man, I, I, I appreciate your time and definitely we can always do this again. I think I'm just now getting to the point where I'm like doing some re invites to yeah, bring right. people on. Uh, a lot of the guys that I had on early have since done crazy things. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh, come back on. I want to talk about that yeah. now. So we can, we can always do that and uh, double I'll back in. And, yeah. and we can always get more into the technical side of it too. You know what I mean? A lot, of, like I said, a lot of times people want to know, it's like, great. You've told me why I should do it. Now tell me how to do it. And uh, so it's like kind of a two piece thing, but no problem. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, it looks like the sun is just coming up. It's beaming <laughs> into my eyes. It's burning my retinas. So uh, uh, did I make you get up early? <laughs> no, I, I wake up every morning at four in the morning anyway, oh, okay. either for work or for, for, you know, for other things. So okay. I, I have an internal clock that's going to get me up at this point one way or another. There ain't no sleeping. So anyway, right. Chris, I appreciate your time, man. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch, especially reach out if you have any plans in the near or distant future of coming to the United States and we'll, we'll link up.
Thanks, man. Appreciate that. I will. And thanks for having me. All right, dude. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to Boundless Pursuit. Tune in each week as we bring stories and insight from uniquely talented anglers and outdoorsmen. And if you enjoyed this show, I want to hear from you. Be sure to leave a five-star review as this is going to drive the growth and exposure of this show. And if you have feedback or guest suggestions, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com. For all other collections of media and contact information, please visit www.boundless-pursuit.com.